Welcome to Talk 30 to Me, a show where we talk about the perspective of 30-somethings on life. My kid is an asshole. Love. Did I tell you about the girl? twice in a week. And the never-ending pursuit of fulfillment. My name is Anthony, but most people just call me Turd. And I'm Randy Z. Let's start the show. So that's a hard fact to accept that we suck at finances as a generation. Maybe hard. But there's one thing that we have we all know we don't learn this shit in school. No one is telling us how to manage our credit or manage our, our bank accounts or balance our checkbooks. Who still does that anyway? Um, when we have apps that do it for us. <laughs> but no one teaches you this shit, right? Once upon a time we could have balanced a checkbook. Right. I mean no, the concept still exists of having to have a balanced checkbook, but the actual using a checkbook is is obsolete. But I think st- those skill sets are still imperative to success because that's what leads to a uh, strong financial foundation. And that's what leads to ultimately being able to build credit. And essentially that's the gatekeeper to being able to attain the wealth that we want, whether it be in homes mm-hmm. or I was going to say cars, but cars aren't, they're a depreciating asset. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. In order to get a car, you need good credit. At a good uh, interest rate anyway. Yeah, exactly, right? Mm-hmm. And here's a catch. If you don't have good credit, you're not going to get any of these things. Right. It's not really a catch. It's it's kind of like a, a no-brainer, but some people don't get that. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, well, I have a 500. Why can I get a car? Uh, You know, maybe you can get a car with like a five, six years. <laughs> I don't know what the, what the cutoff is, but there has to be a, a credit score where you're thinking like, I should be able to, you know, get these things. You know what? It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. We don't learn these things in school. I think the bigger question is why don't we learn these things in school? There's a reason for that. Don't mm-hmm. you think? It's kind of suspicious. I don't think anybody knows. <laughs> I was like, don't let me get into it because that's just how they keep us down. Yeah, right. They do. <laughs> they do. Like like I said, you know, one of my, I've always said. I, was, when I, yeah, I actually taught that at a um, continuation school in Riverside, Lincoln High School. Uh-huh. And uh, I taught the the segment on on balancing checkbooks and building credit for <laughs> at, at, the, at the high school level. So those was my, my teaching experience hours. Uh-huh. I developed that curriculum in undergrad and I taught it for like, Two years. So you're an expert. No, not dude, brothers is like ten years ago. It's completely changed now. <laughs> I know, but that's the thing here. That's a good example of a fundamental skill that that our generation lacks. And how do we learn? Well, we fucked up a lot. Oh yeah. I fucked up a lot. A lot, a lot, or just a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. And <laughs> until very recently, I don't think I've been able to rebound, maybe like three years ago. Uh truth be told, uh college was rough, right? And well, I made it seem like I was probably swimming in the dough, according to my friends, relative to their situation, I guess, maybe. But in in, re- in reality, no, I was not. I was living off of credit cards mm. heavily. Mm-hmm. I had a very good credit score. I was able to get a new car in 2006, and I remember my credit score being like a 790 or 785. Really good credit. And I got the lowest interest rate on my car, paid it off in five years, never had a problem. Is that the car that's sitting outside not being used? Yes. Oh. And I'll tell you why it's not being used in a little okay. bit. <laughs> Stay tuned for more, listener. <laughs> Did I sound schemy and slimy there? Yeah. I went through a really low point where I literally could not pay off my debt. And it was just climbing and climbing and climbing and climbing until I found a way out. Mm. And that was only because I was savvy enough to, to, to figure out a way out. But as a college kid, should you be worrying about finances like this? 
I think so. Well, okay. In what regard? Because I think in college you should be thinking about it. I take my sister's experience versus my experience, right? My sister had, she was going into undergrad at the the start of the 32% increase and she walked out of school with less debt than I did. Wow. But she also learned from all my mistakes. Like for me, my stupid ass had to get my own house and, Uh you know, live high on the hog. And I lived in the more expensive dorms and all that stuff. And she learned how to all the stuff I was figuring out by like my junior, senior year, she went into her freshman year doing, right? She only had classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays with commute in, ride the train, ride home. You know, yep. it's a lot smarter than myself. But I think it's weird because that also puts you at, okay, how far from zero are you going to be when you graduate from college? Because that is a big thing. Even though they say undergraduate or college loans are a preferred debt, it's still a debt. And it still fucks with your debt to income ratio. And it still puts you that much further be- from being able to get the, uh, the home loan or the qualification numbers that you would want to be able to live in California anyway. Sure. And there's a lot of myth behind how that works. And essentially, we're not we're not given that insight. We don't know. So yeah, these are all legitimate concerns of people in college or coming out of college or even now, you know, that still shoulder this debt mm-hmm. and can't seem to get rid of it for whatever reason. And it's holding their credit scores down because they're not able to manage it because they don't know how. But there are ways, right? I found these ways out very in a very difficult manner. I was being constantly, continually, incessantly harassed by creditors um, during midterms and finals and uh, tests really? and home. Yeah, man. Every day I would get a handful, at least a handful of calls, yeah, voicemails. No, no, I was bad. It was bad. Uh, it was really bad. And this is probably the first time I'm telling anyone, aside from my wife, um, because she knew what I was going through at the time. Mm-hmm. And she helped me kind of get out of it. And, and so she did, still wanted to marry you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that financial burden. I'll get there, right? Oh, I'll Jesus. get there. And here's the thing. I, I didn't get my head out of my ass financially until about two years ago. And there's a reason for Whoa. this. Whoa. There's a reason for this. In college, I was up to my eyeballs, if not top my head in debt and it was just bad but i made it work and here's the thing there are ways to make these things work you're not trying to validate your decisions for people that are in the same situation you were in are you well here's a here's a difference now our listener base is probably in their 30s uh, granted late 20s mm-hmm. early 30s so they may have already made the decisions you made may have okay. or if you're in this situation get out asap mm. but here's the thing a lot has changed in the credit landscape since then because there have been uh, the economic collapse led to a lot of re um evaluation of our uh, laws and regulations around credit and credit companies now you see on your credit card statements all these disclosures and all these um statistics and insights that they give you to help you pay down your debt faster and tell you what your debt is really worth to you in, you know, three years, five years, 10 years, if you pay the minimum payment or something. They're obligated Mm. to do these things financially. They're also obligated, I found out. I locked out. At the time I started negotiating down my debt, credit card companies were going through this revolution Mm. forced by the government. I had to pay back every penny that I borrowed, or so I thought. What I learned was that you can negotiate your credit down, and I negotiated all my credit down. I was able to pay very minimally on what I owed, but this lasted, this hit my credit report for seven years. Mm. It's something called a settlement, and you can settle on a balance. And you can settle on whatever you want. It could be $5 to, you know, on a $5,000 balance. It's just whatever the credit card company eventually agrees with you on. Mm -hmm. Seven years of having to live with this thing on my credit report. 
and having to build on top of that. I didn't have a single credit card company that wanted to loan me to loan me money on a, on a credit basis because they were so afraid. I was a risky borrower, mm-hmm. right? I knew I was in a long-term relationship. I knew I wanted to marry this girl. I knew we were going to start a family and get a house and all this. It was riding in the back of my mind the whole time. How the fuck was I going to do this? And I had a very short window in which to do it because I knew I, I was on a timeline, essentially. How old are you around this time that you were figuring it out or kind of going through this transition? This is about five to seven years ago. So quite literally, I'm, I'm still kind of digging myself out of this. You were already married? No. Oh. Five years ago, yes. Okay. That... Seven years ago, no. So within two years, this is the thing, between uh, 2010 and 2012, right? There was a point where I had to kind of dig myself out of a very, very deep hole. Mm-hmm. And I managed to do it. And the way that you do it is by monitoring your finances and by w- really watching the bottom line and really living within your means for a while. And you have to kind of tough it out and really tough it out. I really had to focus on myself. I had to focus on what was important, what was not important. And I had to cut certain things out of my life and really prioritize. And alongside that, I had to make sure that I always had income. That is probably one of the most important things because if you don't have income to support your spending, you can't spend. In college, I was living off of unemployment for a long period of time. You were getting unemployment in college? I was getting unemployment in college, right? Because I was employed. And when I was not working, I was able to get money, hmm. right? I had worked all throughout college as, as an intern, a paid intern. Um, the things I had to do for that paycheck though. Uh, okay. Wow. I'm joking. An <laughs> uh, intern's life is hard. Going back to the topic at hand, I was, I I think last year when I had to get my gallbladder removed, it was kind of a blessing and a curse for me financially, right? Because it forced me to completely change my diet, but then also forced me to scale back a lot because those two months after I was still, you know, low energy. I wasn't really feeling comfortable with drinking. So my going out, scale back 100%. Mm -hmm. I was very rarely going out. And if I did, I wasn't drinking. And even still now, very rarely will I go out and have a drink. Uh, and, and so that's able to put me in the last year to be able to save more than I've ever saved in my life to go towards this home purchase. And so I, I know that I didn't see where I could scale back when I was in the thick of it. So like in 2012, I want to say, give it the, no, maybe like 2014, there was a house in, in East LA that I really liked, but it was out of my budget. And, you know, I, I went and looked at it the other day, see what the, the rankings are. And it went from 290 when it was listed, already flipped. To now it's being worth like 560 or something stupid, right? Oh my right? God. Two bedroom, one bathroom house. Anyway, I, you know, had I just, you know, taken the steps necessary, made the sacrifices necessary to do that, I could have had this house at a fraction of the cost that it's worth today, right? But looking back in this past year, what I've supplemented my time going out and drinking and all that spending on has been just putting in the hours of, of work and, you know, working on this show and the other shows that I'm working on and all the other projects. That's how I've been alloc- you know, reallocating my time. And it's taken away from me going out. And some relationships have kind of suffered, but I think I'm now at that point in life where everyone's kind of busy doing their own thing. No one's actually going out all the time to get up. So <laughs> it kind of was to my Settling. benefit. Yeah. But here's the thing. Hindsight's always going to be 20-20. And I'm, I'm in the same boat. It's easy to look back at my past and say, oh, I could have done this differently. Or I could have bought this house or we could have done something else. Fortunately for me, I was able to see ahead of the curve for a good period of time. And I think that ability is only afforded to you if you have that motivation and you have the reason behind it. I think, and this is me going out on a limb here, if you would have gotten married a couple years ago, Let's say you shift everything up a little bit, your current situation moved back in time, mm-hmm. you would be right now in a different 
completely different position because different things motivate you to act, to respond to environmental stimulus in different ways. Perhaps, but let's put the situation for what it was back then. And in that situation, there was a property that was purchased for us to live in for when I was in that relationship. And I still could not find the way, like anywhere to cut to be able to afford uh, contributing to, to the mortgage. What about borrowing money? Borrowing money to pay a, a mortgage. Yeah. Why would I, I mean that- Borrowing money from a friend or family member? Uh, what, what friends and family have money? Like none of my friends and family have money. Did you ask? Yes. No, I didn't ask, but I just know that they don't have money because they're asking me for money. Did you ask the right people? What right people are Here's they? the thing. You could have made, and, and this doesn't necessarily have to go in the episode, but here, you could have realistically made 300000 on an investment. You borrow 100000 You pay that 100000 back and you still net 200000 you also got to remember, I was making half of what I'm making now. You borrow that money on a contingency that if you don't pay it back within a certain time frame, you owe more than what was originally promised with interest and all that. There are ways to work these agreements out that it's favorable to both parties. If you know, which we all knew, the housing market was not going to stay suppressed for long. Yeah, but this was 2014 when the housing market was already going up. Yeah. When did I buy my house? 2014. No, 2013. Oh, okay. Even okay. better. Right before it started going up, you were still hitting it at a point where it hadn't plateaued yet. So you could have still come out, even though your profit wouldn't have been as substantial, you could have still come out with enough and you would have had to borrow not even uh, 100000 You would have to borrow way less than that. So you would have come up on top either way. The problem is- Well, one, it was a triplex and three, I think it was like 800000 So it was never- Either way, whatever. Uh, there are certain situations where if we can go back in time, obviously we would have approached them differently. We just have to leverage the things that we've learned in the future to not make that same mistake again. Okay, well, this that's the important part to remember, though. I don't feel comfortable with taking a loan to get a okay. loan. Yeah, to get a loan. Like that, that, does, that, that doesn't compute to me as a smart move. Why not? Regardless of it being it's, a, it's help. Whether it's your parents or someone else, it's help. Well, one, my parents would ne- don't have that kind of money, so I know it wouldn't come from my parents. But when I was going through the, you know, very aggressively looking for uh, a house maybe three, four months ago, uh, one of the real estate agents I had met connected me with her financer, and he's like, okay, this is what we can do. You can take a loan to get your down payment, mm-hmm. and then you pay that back at a, at a higher interest rate, and then you use that to, to put down the, the, the home loan purchase. Yep. And I was like, that. then that puts my monthly way out of like... Uh, Typically, on your first purchase... Uh, yeah, it's, it's very difficult to do that. Like, that's what I'm saying. And that, in my head, that's exactly what you're, yeah, you're the bank was, yeah, no, 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 I'm, I'm saying it's from a private source, not a lender, because, uh, if a bank sees that you're lending against a loan, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's a red flag, huge red flag. Like if you can't afford it, how are you going to afford the monthly payment? Right. Right. Exactly. If you borrowed it from a private party and you were able to, uh, you know, um, and this, now mind you, this is from people that I had to submit my tax returns to, and they saw what I was fi- making financially, what I could afford, and they were still encouraging me to go into something that was beyond my means. They were trying to rob you blind, basically. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm saying rocks. You, you come to someone that has a little bit um, that can help, right? Mm-hmm. And you have an agreement, and you put it down, and you're in a better situation because of that. And then you would have been able to leverage the equity from that. You know, I mean, that's something else. That's just like Mitt Romney talking about, well, you know, you could take a loan from your parents, take a loan from a family friend. What if you come from a family that doesn't have money to loan? What if you don't have friends that have money to loan? That is a serious situation. Yep, and true. I don't think people really understand. And, you know, because of the way you kept kind of pushing them, right now, I don't think you really understand the severity of like where the people that I grew up with come from. 
You could have come to me. At the time, you didn't have the money either. (laughs) It's probably true. It's probably true. But here, with that being said, we've learned from that, right? Right. And now people are a little bit more um, established, a little bit, right? Not there yet, but we're in our 30s. We're on the up and up, all of us. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're changing things to make it so that we're in a more advantageous position. So if you came to me, let's say hypothetically, and you said, hey, I need this, this money... I, I would help in any way I could because I knew that one, I believe in you, and two, I believe in the in the fundamental understanding of the real estate market and how it works. Right there, in, especially in California, this doesn't apply anywhere, right. really, but the major metropolitan places, yeah. areas and mm-hmm. California is one of those that you can buy a fucking house anywhere and it'll appreciate. Except Bakersfield, yes, I'm talking to you, Bakersfield. <laughs> I understand that the real estate market will always bounce no matter what. And if it goes down, it'll come back up. The house that I have out in Riverside went down to, we were underwater on it for God, five, six years. Now it's worth, you know, way more than what we initially bought it for. And yeah. So, but you were also able to rent it out to maintain the mortgage at least. Yes, so the value yes, might not have been there, but you were underwater as far as on paper, but month to month, you weren't necessarily like, you're never underwater until you sell. Yeah. You're you never, go. you're never realizing loss until you sell mm-hmm. and you uh, assume, do you realize the loss? But here's the thing. You have to trust that other people are are inherently in it for the greater good. And it takes a little bit of going out on a limb for someone else in order to trust that person to, to get you back. But if you have uh, you know a wide enough network, I'm sure you can find someone. And that's the thing. If you know it's worth it and you've done the math and you've done your homework to understand that what you can make and all the all the numbers make sense, mm-hmm. why not? You know, it's worth the risk. And I know this for a fact. I've been, you know, I've been down this road. Um, I'm speaking only from personal experience. But the the reason why I have so much experience is because I took stupid fucking risks. I took a lot of stupid fucking risks. And it takes a lot for me to say that. I had a credit score below 480, I think. I don't remember the exact score, but it was low. It was fucking low. And now I'll tell you right now, I'm tier one. I didn't ever think I would be here again, but it took time and it took energy and it took effort and it took being mindful of where I was at in order for me to afford what I can afford. But you got to understand that credit is fundamentally important. You can have all the money in the in the fucking bank. You have a 500 credit score. No bank is going to give you a fucking competitive interest rate. Mm-hmm. And no uh, seller is going to look at your portfolio and say, yeah, I want this guy. Mm-hmm. They're going to pass 10 times out of 10. Because the deal could potentially fall through. You're too risky. The bank could go through and say, and they could find a red flag, and they could say, you know what? We're not going to fund this fucking loan. Bye. And they'll drop you in a fucking heartbeat. So that's the thing. We're trying to emphasize here, and I'm really hitting home about this because it means a lot to me because I've seen the lowest of the lows. You guys might be at the lowest of the low now, but there's a way out. There's always a light at the end of the tunnel. There are always ways to leverage resources in your network and in your life. You just have to know what they are. And it, it it pains me to understand, to know that you've passed up on opportunities that, you know, could have, we could have worked, uh, something could have been worked out, right? Not between you and I, maybe. Right, right, right. But something could have been worked out. Because, just in general. Yeah, because maybe you uh, weren't, you were too afraid to risk it, which is understandable. At this point in our lives, we don't want to make those financial decisions that might impact us for the rest of our lives, something shaky something rocky that might not manifest itself or materialize the way that we intended i think i think back 
when I first did it, I was scared to go into it. One, because I didn't know where I was going to get the money for it first off, right? Because I had no real savings like I do now. And then two, I didn't see where I was going to get the, the money monthly to make that, that payment. Of course, like I was making half of what I'm making now. And that was like four years ago, right? Give or take. Mm-hmm. Now I, I see it, like if I were to go, and if I really believed in it and, and I know like, which is why I've been trying to pursue like multi-properties, if I go into it and it doesn't pan out or something happens, what's the worst that's going to happen? My credit might be scarred. It's only going to last for a few years. Worst case scenario, I end up back at home right where I started. Mm-hmm. And then I just rebuild from there. That's very true. You know, yeah. and that's and that's the mentality I have now. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen if it doesn't work out? Right. It's just credit. Credit can always be rebuilt. Mm-hmm. I'm a prime example of that. I don't ever want to see you go through that. Ideally, I won't. Because <laughs> it was dark. It was dark <laughs> as fuck. Um, so dark your hair was actually black? Yeah, it was at one point in time. <laughs> I'm 31 with anyway um, I'm not going to go there <laughs> it pains me to say that what you might hear read or uh, or come to understand this truth might not necessarily be internalized until you experience that downfall until you experience the pain that I've been through maybe not to that extent and hopefully never to that extent granted there are people way worse off than me right mm-hmm. I never had to declare bankruptcy or do any of these things but there are ways to learn without having to endure. Let me just put it that way. So be smart about it. Don't rely on credit. Rely on yourself. Get the knowledge that you need to make informed decisions. And make sure that if you're ever having any difficulties, to get those difficulties addressed systematically, right? Have a plan if you ever encounter financial difficulty with credit or anything like that. So you can attack it uh, methodically and not just fucking... St- start throwing money at everything and just say, yeah, yeah, it'll fix itself. And, and then you find yourself out on the street. Nah, we don't want that to happen. Yeah. So it's going to come down to knowing where you want to be, making active steps to get there and being willing to make the sacrifice on some lifestyle changes. What's really more important to you? That's what it comes down to at the end for me. And that's what I've had to deal with the last year. And wasn't that big of a change, to be honest. I mean, not as painful of a change. <laughs> Yeah, people are often dissuaded by the fact that they might need to make a huge change in order to to make the right decisions in terms of getting their credit back in line or getting their finances in order. You don't. You just need to look at them. And this is the thing. with I, I feel like a lot of millennials, they turn a blind eye to finances because they're afraid of what they might actually have to face. And that's the reality of the matter. Say either, A, I don't have enough money to do the things that I want to do, you know what? I'm just not going to look at my checking account today and buy those plane tickets to Europe mm. or go on that African safari. Because I am getting points. Yeah, right? Oh, yeah, no, but I'm saving 5% because I get 5% cash back. Hey, newsflash, it's only if you pay the fucking balance. Right. Right? If you can't pay the balance, you're never getting that 5% back. Anyway. I'm guilty of definitely doing that. Oh, well, you know, <laughs> I just got my $250 cash back from Costco, so that means I could. <laughs> right. But here's the thing. If you have good credit, and this is a very simple fact of, of how life works, unfortunately, and we have to accept it because that is the society that we live in. If you have good credit, good things happen to you. Good things come your way. Everything in life will be super fucking easy. I want to give a little highlight to my friend Justin over at the Married Millennials because this is something we've talked about quite a lot. And there's a big focus on like the points guy, for example, how to utilize your points, how to get things with points, but no one talks about establishing credit. And we had talked about this and, and Justin went ahead and created a uh, online course on what credit is, how to develop credit and how to continually grow your credit to get to the point where you can become like the points guy and utilize your credit to get all these rewards and perks. 
but no one talks about that crucial step of establishing and building credit. So I want to send you over to, I believe it's the Married Millennials website where they'll have the the course there available for purchase, I believe. But we'll link all that stuff in the description of our, our episode for, for more details. The discussion on finances is never going to go away. We're obviously going to cover this a lot more. Maybe not obviously, but we're going to cover this a lot more. Right. So... Oh, I was just going to say, it's, it's going to be a common theme because that's something that's very important in our 30s. So if you have any questions or you're, you have an experience to share, or you want to talk to us about what you've been going through and level with us, where can the people find you, Randy? You can find me anywhere and everywhere at I am Randy Z. And you can find me at Turg Says No on Instagram and Twitter. And if you're really savvy, find me on Facebook. Thank you for subscribing to another episode of Talk 30 to Me. We hope you enjoy it and continue to share it with friends. Make sure you stop by our website at talk30tome.com for more content and information about the podcast. Rate us on iTunes, and if you really like what you hear, make sure you hit that donate button. Really appreciate it. For Talk 30 to Me, I'm Turk. And I'm Randy Z. Peace. And so I I know that I didn't see where I could scale back when I was found a way out and it took a lot of financial uh, it took a lot of savvy to get out and I eventually got out and I never went back in and here's why I kept my eye you're getting you're going in circles so stick so go with your original thought just be more succinct what was it that you learned and how did you apply it and I didn't go so what I learned was that you can negotiate your credit down.